We're speaking today with Julie Falconer, an expat Californian now living and working in London as a writer and consultant. Julie is the creator of the award-winning travel blog, A Lady in London. She also provides travel planning and social media strategy services for clients. Julie, everyone loves to talk about travel. But before we get started on that topic, I want to ask you about your own journey from a career in finance that included a stint at Goldman Sachs to travel blogging. How did that come about and why in London? I started out my career in banking at Goldman Sachs and I spent two years there and then I went to a hedge fund where I was an analyst at um, a macro fund. And all of that was out in San Francisco, which is where I'm originally from. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I enjoyed aspects of the job, but the career was really uh, demanding and there were very long hours and I burned out. I just had had enough after three years of it. Um, and I thought, well, I want a career change and I also want a change of scenery. San Francisco is a great city, but it's home and it wasn't exciting and exotic and different from what I was used to. So I decided that I also wanted a change uh, of city. So when I thought about where I would want to go, um, I sort of thought very broadly, uh, both within the US and, and overseas. And when I was in college, I had spent time studying in Nice and in Prague, and I had spent summers working at the US Embassy in Paris and the US Mission to the EU in Brussels, and I really liked this part of the world. So I thought, well, why don't I see if I can try to get a visa and move over to somewhere in Europe? And at the time, it was quite easy for Americans to get visas to live and work in the UK without being sponsored or without being tied to a job. So I got myself a visa and I moved to the UK with absolutely no plan and no job. And I started a blog called A Lady in London. And I had no idea that it would ever be anything more than a hobby. I figured it would just be a way to keep track of my time in London and keep in touch with people back home. But after about two years, it had gotten quite a following. And at the same time, blogging was kind of coming into its own as a way that you could actually make an income from it. And so in 2010, I left my full-time job then and started writing the blog full-time. And that is when I started offering travel planning services for clients and adding other things as well. That's amazing. You're living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> I know we'll have a lot of envious listeners out there. Um, so you've traveled to over 95 countries and counting. Tell us, what are some of your very favorite destinations and what makes them so appealing? There are a lot of great destinations, so that is always a very difficult question to answer. But I always say that there's different places for different things. I think each destination lends itself to one thing or another uh, more than others. And so one of my favorite destinations for beach uh, holidays is the Maldives. I went there a few years ago and just had such an amazing time um, spending four or five days just on an island um, diving, snorkeling, beach, relaxing. There's not a whole lot to do. You just kind of soak up the, the ambiance and um, obviously the sea life is just really amazing. So that was one of my favorite destinations in terms of sort of tropical island holidays. Um, 
when it comes to things like natural landscapes and beautiful scenery, I really like Namibia. Um, beautiful, beautiful deserts out there. The sand dunes, um, orange, kind of famous throughout the world. And another destination for natural landscapes um, is Chile. They um, just have an amazing diversity of landscapes there, from the Atacama Desert in the north with just beautiful desert landscapes to Patagonia in the south where you can see the glaciers and all kinds of um, natural um, sort of phenomenon in Torres del Paine National Park. You can even go down to Antarctica. Um, so there's just a lot going on there. And I also have favorite destinations for food because food is one of the big things that I enjoy traveling for and enjoy writing about. Um, so one of my favorite foodie destinations is San Sebastian in Spain. Um, it's in the north in the Basque country and they just have an amazing range of everything from just sort of tiny little tapas bars, they call them pinchos there, um, to you know Michelin-starred restaurants um, all over the place. And it's a really unique destination in that sense, but you can really eat well on any budget, on any end of the spectrum. Um, if you feel like eating casual, you can find casual. If you feel like going higher end, you can find higher end. So those are some of my favorite places. Those are all, I'm hungry, <laughs> and um, those are some really great ideas. Um, so for our listeners, many of whom live in greater London, the greater London area, what are some of what you think are the best destinations for short breaks? I love both staying in the UK and kind of getting out onto the continent. Because I think a lot of times when we think about short breaks, we think about getting over to Europe, but I think the UK has some really amazing travel destinations as well. And obviously they're easy to get to because they're right here. Um, so within the UK, one of my favorite travel destinations for short breaks is Edinburgh. Um, up in Scotland, it's fairly easy to get to. You can drive, you can take a train, you can fly. Um, and it makes a really nice weekend trip, or if you go over a bank holiday, you can get three days up in Edinburgh. Um, they've got festivals going on all year. The most famous is in August, but there's still a lot of other ones going on throughout the year. Hogmanay is their New Year's celebration, which is a really popular time to go up there. Um, and it's just an absolutely beautiful city, um, lots of history. Um, the castle is obviously a big attraction, and it's just very, very nice to walk around. Outside of the UK, um, one of my favorite destinations is Paris. It's an absolutely beautiful city. Again, really easy to get there either on the train or uh, on a flight. Um, and it just has world-class everything. It's a very pretty to walk around. There are amazing museums. There's great food. Really anything that you want, um, you can find it in Paris and, and then some. Um, and then one of the other places I like that is a little bit farther away, um, but still is doable for a weekend, is Rome. Um, again, absolutely amazing history, really great sort of food, um, beautiful to walk around. You can really spend as much or as little time as you want to in Rome um, and just get something out of it as much as you want. Um, there's great art, there's great exhibitions, um, really, really nice place to visit. They all sound wonderful. Let's go a little bit farther afield. Um, what what are some of your favorites from uh, from the UK for long haul? One of the things I love about living in the UK and doing long haul travel is going to Africa because even though a lot of destinations are long haul in Africa, 
you still don't have much of a time difference. So for example, if you go down to Southern Africa, um, you might be on a 10, 12 hour flight, but you get off the flight and there's maybe only a two hour time difference from London, which really, really helps with jet lag. So in October, I took a, a really great trip through Southern Africa and I went on a safari in Zambia and Zimbabwe and uh, Botswana, and all three were just amazing safari destinations. And then I did um, a few days on a private island a beach in Mozambique, and that was just absolutely stunning. It was in the north of the country near the border of Tanzania, and um, it felt a lot like Zanzibar, just without any people there. Um, it's really kind of untouched, undiscovered. And then I finished the trip in South Africa um, with Cape Town and the Winelands, so did a lot of great wine tasting, great food, and then another safari in Kruger National Park, which was uh, another amazing destination for safaris. So we've talked about a lot of fascinating destinations, um, some rather exotic. Um, so travel planning. Talk to us a little bit, since uh, you have a consultancy that offers travel planning services, about some of the major do's and don'ts when sitting down to travel, uh, to plan a trip. I think one of the biggest do's is research. Um, and I think that is a time-consuming process, so it's something that you want to start early. Um, don't leave it till the last minute and really be thorough with it. Um, there's a lot of information out there about all kinds of destinations, but it really pays to make sure that you read through what that information is. Um, for example, a lot of us tend to go to a website like TripAdvisor um, to look at hotels, and we might just look at what sort of the top five hotels are and maybe book one of them. But if you actually start reading the reviews that people have left, you might find that some of the reviews are from people who have a very different travel style than you do, or maybe some of the reviews look like they're fake, or maybe some of the reviews um, aren't as trustworthy as you might think. So I think it really pays off to dig a bit deeper um, and really do the research because that can really make or break um, your travel experience if you haven't researched something thoroughly. I think another thing to do when planning a trip is to try to get local advice. Um, either from someone you know on the ground there, if you are lucky enough to know somebody in a destination, or um, there is a lot of great local advice on uh, online. Um, obviously, as a blogger, I'm biased, but there's a lot of blogs out there from people who either live in a destination or have just been there that can give you really up-to-date information about new things that are going on, new openings, um, interesting things to see and do. And there are a lot of forums and message boards online as well. And if you find one that you can ask a question and actually get people kind of in real time answering you, um, giving you information about maybe things that are going on, events, um, exhibitions, etc., that are happening while you're there, it can really help you to have a, a much more um, deep um, experience when you're in the destination. As far as things not to do, um, my biggest recommendation is not to leave anything till the last minute, um, especially if it's a complicated itinerary or if it's a trip to a destination that's a little bit, um, has a little bit less tourism infrastructure, so things take a little bit longer to actually book or to actually um, get, get um, planned. And so I think that it really helps if you can kind of back things up and make a plan for how long in advance you might need to do each part of the trip when you're planning it, even if it's a last minute kind of uh, booking. And I'd also say um, 
if possible, don't ever pay full price. There's so many great deals out there online. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but particularly when it comes to car hire, um, if spending 10 minutes um, just on a Google search for voucher codes for car hire, you can save yourself 20 to 30% every time you rent a car. And that can be really valuable, especially on longer trips. So I think it's, um, again, worth taking the time to do the research, to look around and find deals because they are out there. And especially if you book um, far enough in advance, you can really save a lot. Also, great advice. So before we finish, I just want to, to ask you one more question, which is, it's probably fair to say that the internet has changed everything in travel. Yes. Um, as, you know, as someone who sits really at the crossroads of uh, online travel, uh, what do you see as the next big thing coming down the road? That's a great question. I think we're already seeing some of the next big thing with social media, and I think that's going to continue to get bigger and bigger. Um, people using social media to source information about travel, about destinations, people using social media while they're in a destination. So I use Twitter quite a lot and Facebook, and when I land in a destination, I'll usually put something on Twitter, something on Facebook saying, hey, I just landed in Morocco. Does anybody have any recommendations for things to do? And I'll get people who have just been there, I'll get people who live there, um, all kinds of recommendations and really kind of crowdsourcing your own trip. And I think that's really a trend that we're going to see more and more of, especially as people have more and more connectivity when they do travel, um, when they have more access to Wi-Fi, more access to data as they're walking around. There's a lot of apps that are also coming out. Um, for example, Google has an app called Field Trip where it's social discovery. So you, when you walk around a new city with your mobile phone out, it actually pops up information about landmarks and buildings and different kinds of things you're passing by, just giving you kind of your own tour guide as you um, walk around and maybe just get lost in a city. So I think we're going to see more and more of that influencing our trips and influencing how we travel. That's great. Julie, thank you so much. Uh, we've learned a lot today uh, about some wonderful destinations. We've gotten some great ideas uh, about how to research them, uh, how to save, I love, 20 or 30% on our car hire, um, and what's coming down the road in technology. So I want to thank you You're for welcome. being on Tanager Talks. You're welcome. It's been great to be here. Okay, thanks a lot.